Hey everybody, welcome to this week's edition of the Casual Shooters Podcast. I just wanted to give a shout out to Daniel from Alabama for winning the Hunter's HD Gold Glasses. Enjoy those, and once again, Brian Conley, president and founder of Hunter's HD Gold Glasses, thank you for your generosity in donating them. Both of you have a wonderful day, and enjoy this episode of the podcast. Welcome to this week's episode of the Casual Shooters Podcast. Today, it's me and Leo. Say hello. Hello. We have another guest this week. This week, it's Kevin Garaspi. Uh, GM in USPSA. We're going to go ahead and bring him in and we're going to chat some shooting. Hey, Kevin, how are you? Good. Thanks for having me on your show, guys. Oh, thanks for coming on. Much if you would just uh, take a moment and introduce yourself. Uh, so, uh, Kevin Grubb, been shooting for about four or five years now. I'm an open GM, shoot for Atlas Gunworks, and I work at Elite Shooting Sports, the best indoor range in Northern Virginia. Um, Born and raised here in, in Virginia, I was I grew up in Burke, out here in Fredericksburg about a year ago. So trying to stay hungry and busy, you know. I'm a fireman. I don't know if I mentioned that. Yeah, I'm a fireman with County Fire and Rescue Department. I've been with the department on the career side for about eight years and uh, volunteered for about four or five years prior to that. So all in all in Fairfax. So uh, used to the system. Been there for a while. So enjoy it. Best job in the world, right? Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> it's up there. Yeah. <laughs> Not too bad. I, I get behind that statement. I, I love it. Yeah. It's easy. So, Kevin, what we normally do is ask you a few questions to, to get to know you. Absolutely. For, first question we have is what's your favorite movie? Favorite movie? Oh, man. That is hard. And it's hard because I am a movie guy. I love to watch movies. Um, I used to go to the movies right coming off a shift. I used to go to the Centerville Multiplex, and they would play like half-off movies um, all the time. So I'd go up there in the morning before coming home, <laughs> watch a movie by myself. Uh, but wow. favorite movie, uh, that's a hard one. Um, this is going to sound totally cliche, but uh, to be completely honest, it actually made me really fall in love with firefighting, but it was Ladder 49. Um, I know probably everybody's like, oh, backdraft, blah, blah, blah. But uh, I'm a Ladder 49 kind of guy. Joaquin Phoenix, as weird and messed up as his face is, I actually really like that dude as an actor. So uh, <laughs> I actually really, really enjoyed that movie. I did the mistake of while I was dating my wife, I showed her that movie. And that was probably not the best thing to do because he dies at the end. But that, was a, that was a bad call. <laughs> six years later. Yeah. yeah, yeah, six years yeah. later, you know. Yeah. Kids. That was poor decision making on your part. <laughs> I got to be honest. Yeah, you know, you know, uh, firemen aren't the brightest, as you, as you know. Yeah, life insurance is up to date. It's all True. good. <laughs> I thought yeah, you were right. going to say towering inferno, <laughs> but you know. <laughs> oh, that was a throwback. Yeah, I don't give that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, yep. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, classic. <laughs> Steve McQueen. It is classic. Getting after it. Yeah. That's right. OJ. <laughs> OJ in his prime. That's right. Boy. Yeah. For me. Running through the airport trying to get to the inferno. <laughs> yeah. So what's your favorite book, Kevin? My favorite book. Uh, so I actually really like his, uh, historical fiction. So there's a series 
by an author named David Gemmel. Um, and he does a whole series on Troy. Um, and the first mm-hmm. book is actually my favorite of them all, uh, Lord of the Silver Bow. You guys should look it up. It's really good. Really good love story. And it's, that's the best part. <laughs> I do really oh. like the story. <laughs> okay. So. I've read a, I've read a couple. It was a guy, um, Turtle Dove, I want to say it was his last name. So I've read a few. I, I definitely like uh, historical fiction. Yeah. Speaking yeah. of historical fiction, what about your favorite historical figure? Historical figure? Uh, I don't necessarily have one, to be completely honest. I don't really follow history all that much. I am so busy with my life, I don't really keep up with current events. So I really don't follow too much. I'm not a history buff. I just like time periods of the books and living in fantasy land. It's really, I mean, I, I, I run around and shoot guns, right? Everybody wants to live in a fantasy land. That's my fantasy land, Troy, you know, hmm. go figure. Somebody's trying to take yeah. away your fantasy land of running around shooting guns. Yep. Yeah, yeah that's for damn sure. So we'll see. All right. So speaking of guns, this is like a two-part question. Favorite gun of all time, favorite caliber of all time. They don't have to be the same. This is my baby girl. I want you guys to meet her. It's an Atlas Gunworks Chaos. It is the goldest gun you will ever see out there, minus obviously this part. My backup backup gun uh, is going to be all gold out as well. Uh, but I really like I really like uh, open guns in general. Uh, started shooting open like two years ago, and I just fell in love with it. And the first open gun I got was you know Atlas Gunworks Chaos. This gun, actually specifically, and I just kind of fell in love with it. Uh, I have it tuned out perfectly for the way I like to shoot. Um, I primarily shoot 38 Super Comp major matches. Uh, I think it just shoots a little bit flatter than the nine major. Nine major is really. really really uh has her so uh i really like 38 super comp um, but it's expensive right so this year i'm shooting a lot more nine major um especially at locals practice all that stuff so i got two barrels for both guns a nine major barrel and a 38 super comp barrel so i can shoot both uh but hands down my favorite is going to be 38 super comp on side so you have two different barrels. Do you have to change anything out? Like if you're changing from nine major to nine super comp, do you have to change any springs or anything to go with that? So the way I have my um, my cartridges tuned or the, the way I load my ammo, they mimic each other pretty well. Uh, I typically shoot a hotter, faster burning powder which is uncommon for a guy who shoots shoots, shoots open in 2021 or 2020, whatever you want to call it. Um, most people want the softer feeling gun. I'm not necessarily after a softer feeling gun. I just want the gun to respond fast. Um, and I want to use less powder in nine major because of that higher pressure volume or higher pressure uh, as you start to uh, press that cartridge down. So uh, I got a faster burning powder, uh, so I don't have to use as much, so it's not as... Uh, compressed into the uh, cartridge itself. Um, and so because of that, everything stays the same for me. Uh, my spring works, my, my recoil spring works perfect for both of them. Um, I use a 17 pound mainspring, don't have to change that. So my trigger is always the same. Literally the only thing I change out of the 38 super comp and the nine major is the barrel. 
That's okay. It. What's the optic you have on it? So uh, I'm using the Romeo 3XL. Um, I happen to like the 3MOA dot versus some of the bigger ones. I know some guys like running bigger ones because it's easy to acquire when you're going fast. Um, and in my experience, um, I could blow this dot up pretty large, right? You could always starburst any dot you got. But if I jack the brightness setting on this dot as much as, I, or as much as it'll go, even in direct sunlight, I'm seeing like a humongous dot on target. I don't necessarily need to see all that much. I train myself to see as little as possible. So that way, when I do hit the sun or anything like that, it doesn't really affect me as much. Um, but I'm a big fan of this. Obviously, you guys can see the window is humongous. Um, the dot is super crisp and clear. It's almost like the dot is. It's almost like the dot is like a darker shade of red, um, going from like a RTS two point. Um, so I'm a, I'm a big fan of those things. Obviously, the controls are on the outside, so that's always helpful. Um, and I sound like a salesman, but I'm really not. I don't work for them, right? But I, I'm a big fan of this optic. Uh, I actually got David Wampler to, to kind of get on board with SIG Optics as well. He was running a Delta Point for a while, you know, for a really long while. And uh, he actually just recently switched to one of these two. So that's my gun. There you go. That's nice. Right. Yeah. And and you both shoot for now are you both Team Atlas members? Yep. Yep. We both shoot Atlas Go Marks. Um, you know, as, as uh, David Wampler's like the local last few years, right? So when I got into open, I was like, you know, who else to talk to besides the man the myth operate the sing, right? A little differences here and there. Um, the end of the day, your gun will make no matter what. So you got to find the company that's going to service your gun fast. Not be. Well, gun works. Talked Adam a few times. Great dude. Um, and he, he helped me out. You know. So that was a few years uh talked to about joining the team how do you go now that's um, history yeah so on team atlas uh, he's my trainer we shoot all the time we together all the time um, and most matches we, we try I can't hear you guys if you guys are talking. No, I, I wasn't talking. <laughs> I actually had my no. microphone muted because I had some background noise going on. So oh, okay. I probably sounded dead on my end. Um, <laughs> so are you, are you, are you shooting area eight? I will be shooting area eight. Yep. So I, you, I was you, fortunate enough you, to get a spot. You and Dave going to be shooting on the same squad then? Yep, we are. Uh, can't remember what squad we're on, but it's him, me. Um, we got our other teammate on there, Tyler Weatherwax. A um, couple other good dudes, but yeah, Dave and I will be shooting in the same squad. 
We're not like uh, <laughs> we're we're not like out to get each other. So that's always nice. That's always nice to have somebody on on your same squad, but also be on the same team as you to kind of help you figure out the right you know stage plan or if something happens to keep your head in the game um, to figure out uh, what's going on with your gun if something happens. Um, so is I can't tell you guys how much how valuable it is to have a guy like him on your team um, and being able to shoot with him on a pretty consistent basis is pretty awesome. So I'm sure it's always nice to be part of a team versus having to do everything by yourself. Yeah, you know, especially absolutely. when you guys are stage planning, I'm sure you're sharing information then too. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah, we actually just Shadowhawk yesterday and we were going back and forth on stage plans. Um, you know, his body type and my body type are different. We react differently. How we move is different, a little different. Um, the way we shoot, our comfort, our comfort in taking certain shots, um, moving and shooting is, is different comfort, right? So we'll bounce ideas off of each other, but we may not always have the exact same stage plan. Um, but one of the things I've learned um, a couple of years ago from JJ Rikazi was like, you know, it doesn't necessarily matter if your stage plan is, you know, a quarter of a second faster, like, or a half a second faster, because at the end of the day, um, you're trying to build up consistency and making sure that you're executing each plan as, as well as you, um, and you, and you're making your points. Uh, it's really not necessarily the fastest stages that are winning the matches. It's always um, the most consistent shooter. So. Yeah, and we've we've definitely talked about that before on episodes about how you you can win one stage but you lose a match, but if you win every yeah. stage, you win a match. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So yeah, it's pretty important when you can be like you said consistent and and just as long as you are executing your plan well, the plan mm -hmm. doesn't matter which way you run it, back forward, back left, right, whatever. Yeah. As long as you yeah. execute your plan you'll be good to go. Yeah, absolutely. And I've known, I know guys who've won major matches and not won a single stage. Like you don't a hundred percent need to, you have to stay in the pack, yeah. right? Like if, yeah. you, if you're dropped in like the 30th or the 60th, you know, like obviously it, the road ahead is a little bit harder, but if you're staying within like the top five in every right. single stage, that's all you need. So I keep telling people that all you need. Yeah, you don't have to win every single stage. Like you said, if you're in that top five, top three, even you, you'll be doing good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, for sure. Did we lose something? So you said you've been shooting for, like I said, four years, five years. Uh, yeah, four or five years. I, and then I two years ago, <laughs> you went to open. So mm -hmm. what were you shooting before that? Uh, so I was in limited division. I made limited master. Uh, I was shooting STI Edge. I had two of them. Uh, I had malfunctions all the time. <laughs> so I switched out of. Not a sponsor. <laughs> uh, it was, yeah, yeah. It was, uh, it was a miracle I made master, to be honest with you. Uh, but no, I, I master. Um, I, I used to travel and shoot a lot with uh, Stephen Van. And one of the things I was telling, he was telling me, he was like, Kevin, you want to go fast. You need to get an open gun because you don't want to wait for, for your sights. I'm like, well, I see the red fiber and I just want to press the trigger. That's what my body wants to do. It sees what it wants to see. So um, we had talked for a long time about me getting an open gun. And finally, when I did, um, you know, everything uh, started clicking a little bit faster for me. Uh, I think just having that dot there, obviously, you know, that's easy. It's like cheating. 
you just look at the dot and then boom, it's right there, right? <laughs> or you look at the target and you find that dot on target and you go boom. Right. So it's a lot easier than finding your front and rear sight, trying to make that correction on the fly. Um, can I get it done? I could, I could still get it done. I actually shoot this, uh, this Hyperion. It's a nine millimeter uh, limited minor gun. And I could still shoot this and wreck people with it. So uh, I'm still pretty good with limited. Um, I, I, at some point in time, would like to get back to limited and make GM, uh, but we'll see. It'll probably be next year or the year after that, whenever ammo gets harder to find, or at least primers. Right, right, right. right. <clears throat> now, have you only shot limited and open, or have you shot other divisions as well? Uh, the only other division I've shot carry optics so it's like okay. open light um before yeah. the changes the poor man's open yeah 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 the poor man's open <laughs> so uh i bought a actually i got that gun here this is what i was shooting for carry optics um i had a i have a cz shadow 2 okay. brass lock grip so it's in my in my opinion um the cz's actually feel very very similar to a, a 2011 platform just the yep. way that trigger feels and the, the amount of weight you could actually get these down mm -hmm. to, it's it's pretty phenomenal. Um, still rocking the Romeo 3 dot. So everything really stayed the same between carry optics and open. So that's kind of why mm -hmm. I felt comfortable getting into that. I, I just wanted to branch out a little bit and have a little bit of time and get uh, classified in another division uh, while mm -hmm. it was the off season. Uh, but gotcha. no, my, my main focus is going to be open for sure. So how long did it take for you to to level up as the to GM? Uh, to GM. So uh, got my open gun. I say twenty nineteen. It probably took me about a year and a half mm -hmm. to make uh, to make GM. Mm. Yeah, about well, maybe a year, maybe about a year. Time, time, kind of. You know, stand still for me. Um, I made it right before COVID hit, mm -hmm. so it was like that's why times like uh, when the hell did I become a GM? Uh, but yeah, yeah, no, it happened about it took me about a year uh, to kind of get comfortable behind that gun. I mean, realistically, the handling between a limited 2011 versus an open gun, an open you know double stack 1911, is kind of it's all the same. It's just the focus is different, right? Going from mm -hmm. iron sights to the dot. So, right. uh, and, and I thought it would be super easy. Um, and it, I don't want to. I don't want to make it sound like it was. It's super difficult to get oriented to a dot, but it did take some getting used to, because I was so used to trying to find that, as right. much as I didn't do it, um, trying to find the orientation between your rear and your front. Um, it did take some some adaptation to get there, but but yeah, it took about a year, year of hard work. Can't tell you how many hours of dry fire I did with that gun before I made it. So. Yeah, no, that's uh, I'm sure. So how how often were you shooting competition? Like, were you, is, was it every single week or not? I shouldn't say every weekend, but was it just every chance that you weren't at work you were shooting? Uh, so I work part time at Elite Shooting Sports, right? Like I mentioned mm -hmm. earlier. Um, so because of that, um, every day I go in, I could go in and shoot. So um, I have I have the ability to go in there, shoot as much as I want to. Uh, whenever I want to, pretty much. Um, so every day I had a shift. 
I would probably shoot around two, three hundred rounds. Um, some days I'd shoot four hundred rounds. During nationals, I shot like five hundred rounds a day. So uh, it just gave me that ability to practice more. Um, so yeah, I would I would for sure uh, live fire uh, at least twice a week uh, at the range. Um, but the days that I wouldn't be able to practice or live fire at the range, uh, I would just double down on some dry fire. But okay. uh, to make when when I when it shooting going from a C class limited shooter all the way up to I would argue up to A, I was dry firing pretty much every night that I wasn't on duty. Right, uh, every single night I was at home, I was dry firing for at least like an hour and a half, two hours. Like my hands, my forearms, everything hurt by the end of the night. But I knew I had to get it done uh, for right. if I wanted to level up, you know, to go to get up there. So uh, that's what I did. Um, made master, and then from there, um, this is gonna sound super cocky, but I started to coast a little bit because I was like, you know what, my hands are hurting, I'm tired, I'm exhausted, and my family needs some time too. So right. I started to coast a little bit, and uh, you know, you kind of see that in match results here and there, right? Um, then I got my open gun, and then uh, that's when I started taking things a little bit more seriously too. Mm -hmm. uh, it took about a solid year for me to get used to the gun. Um, just from a, a little bit of a different index because that dot is higher. Um, and like I was saying, the, the perception of what you need to see changes, right? Mm -hmm. So once I got that all squared away and done, um, it just came down to, you know, relaxing and shooting. Most people, I feel like, have the ability to shoot at a relatively high ranked you know, skill set, like they can shoot right. like a master GM. It's just they freak out. Right. So I was shooting the match the other day and every single time I was ROing him every single time he got up to the line, his, his hands were like shaking. Yeah. Like, yeah, you know, I was like, why are you freaking out? This is a game, you know, it's an expensive game, but, uh, you know, he was freaking out. So, so yeah, uh, long story short, I, I just feel like, um, you got to put in some time. You got to definitely put in, a lot of uh, dry fire work in a lot of uh, live fire when you can, um, but you can't let up. You got to definitely put it in. So. Well, and speaking of that, so how long is, is uh, one to two hours a normal dry fire session for you? Or is that like when you're getting ready for a major, like what's your regular dry fire schedule? And that's actually going to lead me to another question when you're done with that. Surely. Um, so right now, um, I'm, I feel pretty comfortable with my handling skills. So okay. I've, I've tapered it back from, um, so like lost. So to go, go back to when I was dry firing for two hours, I, I was very regimented. I did like, so I'm sure you guys have heard of like the Anderson book, right? Steve oh Anderson, yeah. Um, you, the right? you talk to that guy right there about Steve Anderson. <laughs> yeah. 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 So Steve's a great took guy. A class with him. Yeah. Yeah. Steve's a good dude. Steve's yeah, an awesome is. dude, and his book uh, revolutionized a lot of people shooting. It's, it's uh, absolutely did for me. Um, but I did like the first whatever pages of that book like religiously for a while, and then I branched out of there because I felt like it was. I don't want to say like I was wasting time, right? Mm -hmm. But like I didn't need to go below my baseline anymore. Like I knew right. where my baseline was, and I needed to race to it. So I would I would make myself always do either my baseline or the faster or like, you know, the 0 0.02 below my baseline. Um, and I'll do each of those pages times. 
So do 50 draws, 50 reloads, 50 briquettes, 50 this, that, or another until like my freaking hands would start to bleed and stuff. Uh, so that, that kind of drilled in a lot of the uh, handling skills for me. Uh, now my dry fire sessions are probably about 45 minutes to an hour. Um, and that's mixing a whole bunch of things. I still do 50 draws because I think that's important. Um, cause whether it be at a five yard open target or a 35 yard head box, you know, I don't want to be afraid to draw my gun the way I draw my gun. Right. I want everything to kind of stay as, as, as similar as possible. So I practice a lot of my draws on harder, harder targets. Um, so I'll do that. I'll do a lot of reload drills. Uh, I'll do a couple like 25 or so static reloads. And then I'll always incorporate some kind of movement because we're in a sport where we don't really need to do a static reload. Everything's done in two to three steps for the most part, right? Unless you're shooting production or, or revolver and who wants to shoot revolver nowadays, right? Um, but yeah, so. Jerry Mitchell. That's pretty much yeah, Jerry, Jerry's like the only dude, right? Jerry's the one guy. Yeah. Will won't go with his revolver. He'll die with him for sure. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's about a forty-five minutes. Um. On good nights, it's about an hour. Um. And I used to have like a pretty, like, regimented thing. You know, like a whole schedule of things I would do. But now I kind of mix it up. I have dry fire targets like all over my basement. Okay. Um. And I just go bounce from one side to the other side. I I incorporate some movement in my dry fire now, so that way. Um, I'm, I'm getting some moving, uh, movement in, um, but yeah, about four to five minutes to an hour. Okay. So that leads me to my follow-up and then an additional question. Cause you said something about your basement. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, what is your training schedule look like basically for the, for the beginning of the season and then throughout the season? And then how does your wife feel about having dry fire targets all over your basement? <laughs> Oh man! So for uh, I'll let you pick one. which one you want to answer first. <laughs> to answer the first one. Uh, so can you repeat the first question again? Just because I'm stuck on the wife. No, no, it's totally so, fine. Okay, let, me, let me answer that one first. We're, we're all we're uh, all married, so we we know how our wives feel about everything that we do. <laughs> so when I first started getting into this stuff, right, I printed off targets that yeah. I had to that keep on the wall. And she was like, oh, you know, what is up with all these targets? Just hanging up on the wall. I'm like, I need to practice. She was like, all right, we'll just keep them in the bedroom or keep them here, there, whatever. We were in an apartment at the time. Didn't have any kids yet. I was like, okay, well, I, I guess we still had our – we had our son. We had just had our son when I got into competitive shooting. So I had all these targets all over the house. Um, but they all were more or less in the bedroom. And then I had, like, three out in the living room. So like when she was watching TV or something, I could be drawing down on the targets while she's watching. So kind of, you know, uh, split the time that way. Now um, in our townhouse, I have uh, looks like seven or eight targets over here. I have eight targets over there, one over here. I index stuff on my door. I have stuff underneath of some of these things here on the wall. So they're literally everywhere. Uh, my basement is litter littered with uh, dry fire targets and uh it's kind of like our playroom. Our basement is literally our playroom because I got, obviously you guys can see, like I got my bench here, right? right safe, and then like my kids. <laughs> so like literally it's all toys down here. So um, she's she's cool with it um, as far as I know. <laughs> she's cool with it, she hasn't said anything, it's being hung up everywhere. 
Um, still married, so that's a win. Still married, two kids. Yeah. You know, we had another kid not too long ago, so I know something is yes, working around. Right. We so. sent you congratulations on the Instagram. We were very yep. excited for you. That's right. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. Good job. Well done. <laughs> yep. Uh, what was the second question? Or what was the first so question? the other part with that. So what is your training schedule? I, I know we talked about dry oh, fire right. stuff, but what is your training oh, schedule okay. like? Yeah. Pre, like going into the season and then throughout the season. Gotcha. Um, so for me, my season typically ends right after nationals, right? Okay. I might shoot a couple matches here or there, but after that, I literally drop my guns, my belts into my safe, and I don't touch a lick of anything for at least two months. Um, for a number of reasons: one, I don't want to get burnt out; two. Um, I need time for my body to heal. Um, but three, and the most important, I want to be able to um, spend that two months with my family, right? It's the holidays. Um, and my, my family had to deal with a, you know, 10 months of me not being home more or less, right? So, or being, pre, being preoccupied. So um, that two months is dedicated to them and, and resting, healing up and all that good stuff. Uh, once a new year starts, right? So around January-ish timeframe, I'll start picking up my gun. I'll start dry firing. I'll probably start it slow um, only because like the callus in my hands will start to soften by that time you know so my hands won't be able to last as long um, especially when gripping the way I, I grip so um, dry fire will probably be about 30 minutes to max 45 minutes and I'll do that um, every single night um, for the for, for till the end of the year right so that's I don't necessarily change anything in terms of my dry fire schedule my dry fire schedule just stays about 45 minutes to an hour every night that I'm home. Um, and I, and I practice a series of things now, uh, in terms of live fire practice, um, that's a, that's a change, especially with, uh, ammo the way it is. Right. So, um, yeah. Dave Wampler kind of, we, we, we talked early in the beginning of the year, we're, we're trying to figure out a good training schedule to kind of figure out what will be the best use of our ammo. And one of the things that I mentioned that I need, it's not necessarily, um, quantity of rounds downrange it's the frequency so making sure that i consistently know how my gun's going to react right if i sh i could shoot four or five hundred rounds one day like on a monday but then shoot a match on saturday or sunday and that's like a whole week without seeing my my dot bounce right so i want i want my eyes to be able to see what it needs to see my hands to feel what it needs to feel pretty consistently so i'll do um Two to two, I'll be I'll be doing two, 200 to 250 round sessions a day or a day a week, um, preferably one of them being outdoors, uh, so I could get some movement in. I'm a primarily for the last couple months I've just been getting it all in at, at work at Elite. Um, if I only if time only allows for one day of practice, then I'll do one 400 round session, or I'll try to make it in like the big the middle of the week, so typically like on a Wednesday, maybe a Thursday, so that way it's closer to match day. Um, in terms of practicing, I do a lot, a lot of similar things like uh, what some of the other guys do. Um, they do like a discovery phase, right, where you kind of test the boundaries here, where you can go, see how fast you can make a split on a 35-yard target, or how long it takes you to to take um, two shots at a head box at 15. You know, like those those common standard things that you have that you know you're going to see in the match. Um, so that way, when you when you come across them, you know your timing, you know how everything is gonna gonna process in your mind. Um, so I do a lot of those in the beginning of the week, right, uh, or the beginning of the month. And then as we get closer towards the end of the month or closer towards that major match, I'll kind of taper things down so that way my body knows exactly where 
you know, that 90% is, let's say, so I'm not always going balls to the wall 100% right. because I'm a firm believer, you know, just like you guys and like most people, like if you go at 100%, your rate of or your chances of messing up significantly increases if you're going at 100%, right? Um, and like we like we mentioned earlier, this is a game of consistency, not necessarily being a hero. So um, being able to consistently find your 85, 90%, um, arguably sometimes 95% uh, when you need to, um, is going to be important. So um, I'll typically do that. I'm probably actually going to start getting into that soon um, since our first major, me and Dave's first major is coming up, era six out of North Carolina. So, so yeah. Awesome. Well, good luck. Just put that yeah. out there now. Thank you. I mean, you're thank not you, competing against us, so you'll be fine. You know? <laughs> I'm competing. You know, us, us, un, well, by us, I mean me, the only unclassified person on the show right now. Cool. It's fine. Oh, it doesn't hurt my feelings. Wait, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> There's a story there, I feel. Uh, yeah, I'm, so that's pretty much the story. Is there's not a big arc, not like a movie. I'm not good. And um because ammo is expensive, and I, much like you and everybody else on the show, have kids, like I'm going to stay not good for a while. So, well, I will, yep. I will tell you, um, uh, one of my mentors, his name is Norman Labrea. You'll probably never see him on the internet because he lives underneath a rock, but, um, he's a, he's an older school Filipino guy and he made limited master strictly from dry fire. Very similar wow. situation. The uh, ammo was very hard to come by. He worked for like, I think he was a teller at a bank in the nineties. So it's not like he had a lot of money. Right. So and he had he had a couple kids and he was married, so he couldn't spend money on on anything. All his money went to was match fee and the four boxes of ammo he'd buy the day before the match. That was literally <laughs> it. So he would drive fire his life away. And he made master. You know, he learned a lot of good things along the way from a lot of um, top tier guys like um, like Todd. Uh, I can't even Todd Jarrett. I don't know why I. I blanked on his name, but uh, he learned a lot of things from Todd Jarrett, um, a couple other guys. So uh, it, you can do it. Absolutely can do it. Oh, it yeah. literally takes uh, takes time. Well, that so, actually that leads me up. into – Make it. Yeah, no, that leads me into, uh, I guess, like another kind of meandering set of questions here. Uh, so you are Filipino, so well done. That's right. Uh, I'm a big fan. <laughs> I, uh, I but there I, is uh, a very I, big – you know, I'm player. Yeah. No, no, it's awesome. I'm, I'm not so sorry, <laughs> but there is <laughs> okay. a very big perfect. culture of shooting in the Philippines. Did that have anything to do with you getting into shooting, or is it just coincidental that you happen to be Filipino and like to shoot guns? It was completely coincidental. So long, <laughs> long story short, right? Um, when my wife and I first got married, I played video games like it was no nobody's business. It was like my thing. Okay. Right. So I played a lot of video games and my wife was like, you need to stop. You need to sleep. I was like, and you're done. Okay. <laughs> that was yeah, her intervention. That was yeah. it. Yes. She was like, you need to stop. I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to fill my time in with something. I'm going to find a different hobby to do. She's like, okay. And my dad just gave me a, a gun. He had just given me a gun to, to have at home. I was like, I love you. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm, yeah, I'm gonna to go shoot. I'm yeah. just going to go shoot. I was like, all right. She was like, all right, that's fine. Started shooting. Uh, you know, kind of fell in love with it because I was like, you know, why not? This is pretty manly. Why not? I don't do anything manly currently. So this is this is pretty awesome. So I started shooting and uh, 
met a whole bunch of dudes at, at the range. And that's when callback at work started drying up. All right. So overtime at work started drying right. up because yep. they started hiring like 60 plus people in our academy. It's crazy. Yeah, pretty much. And they do two classes a year. So it was like 120 people every year taking away overtime. So um, either way, overtime was drying up. So I was like, you know what? I need supplemental income. I'm just going to get a job here. So I applied and my, you know, apparently I said the right things. Um, and my boss hired me, you know, and, and I kind of got deeper into shooting there. Right. So I told him, I was like, look, I cannot shoot. I don't know how to shoot well. And I want to learn. He goes, all right, you're hired. So he kind of took me underneath his wing. He was a competitive shooter for 30 years. He was a GM for 30 years. He shot USBSA open. Um, he shot three gun for a really long time. Um, so I owe a lot to him. He, he, he was my number one mentor. He's, he's the constant guy that's always behind my back. And, uh, you know, he really helped me get, get started with shooting. And, um, he, he taught me how to shoot well, first off, right. How to, how to shoot a group. Um, and then he taught me how to shoot control pairs. He taught me how to reload, how to draw my gun. And then all of a sudden I was just like, Hmm, I, I heard there's, you know, I hear you guys talking about competitive shooting. You used to compete. You used to compete. Why don't I try competing? And this is right when, like, my son was about to get born. I was like, I have to do it now right. before my kids are older and I'm not going to have any time. Um, little did I know here that here we are, you know, four years later, I'm like super deep into it. <laughs> Two years later, I'm like, oh, my gosh. You know? I mean, really, oh, little did your wife know that stopping you yes. from playing video games was going to cost you guys so much money. Uh, yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> yes, it's, that's the God honest truth. Um, She's like, biggest mistake of my life. I should have left him on the couch. It's like, damn it. What did I do? What did I say? Why? Um, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and, and I'll, and I'll be upfront with you guys. Like the only real reason where I'm able to shoot as much as I shoot and do what I do is because all the awesome people that support me in the sport. Right. So elite shooting sports for, for all that they've done. My boss has been amazing to me in my, my career so far. Um, and all the you know, gun sponsors and um, ammo stuff, like no one, one person can really do a lot of good things unless they have support behind their back. Right. So uh, I'm a firm believer that, you know, everybody needs a little bit of help, help here or there. So I try and give back as much as I can. Uh, but I'll say to anybody, don't be afraid to ask. Because you might be surprised what what anybody will say, what sponsors will be willing to do for you. So, so yeah, yeah, we, we it's it's interesting because that seems to come up a lot. Um, that no one in this sport really does it alone. They they always seem to have, like you said, mentor a group of mentors, just the people that are behind the scenes supporting them. Um, so that's yeah. it's it, it's just interesting that that is kind of constantly a thing when when we talk to people in the interviews is they're like oh yeah my wife is great she lets me do whatever I want and you're like well that's good because this takes a lot of time but yeah, sure. um, yeah but to speak to something that you were talking about uh, with being at elite do you because we we see it a lot with people that they get into the sport they get good at the sport they understand the sport and then they be, they they're like I want to teach other people how to do this. Do you uh, find yourself doing any training at elite? Are you one of their trainers? Do you kind of help people that you see? Like how, yeah. how do you do that? If you, if you get a chance to do that. Or do yeah, you just so laugh I'm, at us? I'm, uh, what was that? Or do you just laugh at us? <laughs> well, uh, a lot of, we laugh at us. So it's okay. Your backs. Uh, <laughs> no. 
so I, I am one of the primary instructors over at Elite Shooting Sports. That's actually what I do. Um, I teach people how to shoot, um, mostly in a basic context, right? Because we're, we're in lanes. There's not really much dynamic shooting that we can do um, in that one booth. Uh, so I do a lot of basic training for like the tow carry work and stuff like that. Um, outside of that, I do have some students who, you know, already have a really good set of skills. They just want to go farther or they want to get into competitive shooting and stuff like that. So absolutely, I, I do help a lot of my students get get there. Um, if anybody has any questions or or uh, wants to take any lessons or anything, you always just reach us, reach out to us at training at EliteShootingSports.com. You can obviously ask for me, uh, but uh, I do a lot of competitive shooting training. There's a lot I can teach inside the confines of a booth, but once we've kind of maxed out where that goes, um, it's always been my my thing to take students out to matches and um, you know squad with them, teach them ropes, teach them things as we're shooting. Um, if you ever squad with me, you know you guys could feel free to ask me questions. There's always dudes asking me questions. I'm trying to help out as best as I can, as long as I'm not like the next shooter up, you know. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I definitely do a lot of teaching. Um, it's it's a hundred percent one of my passions. Um, and yeah, I, I do enjoy doing that. So awesome. Okay, well, so my my next question is, what are your goals for this year? Because there's we we talk about it a lot on the show, and we talk about it a lot with other shooters. They always have the next thing that they're trying to get. So you're a GM, you're an open class shooter. What's your next goal to achieve to kind of keep progressing and moving forward? Yeah, yeah, um, for sure. You you have to get uh, you have to have some sort of goal out there for sure. Um, for me, uh, I want to win an area match this year. Um, I we made top ten in in area eight last year. Uh, I had a couple gun issues because my ammo was was jacked up, but I've changed bullets, changed a couple things, um, and my guns are, are running great this year. So um, I'd like to win area eight. That would be a big, big milestone for me. Um, and I'd like to make the top 20 in, uh, at nationals this year. So I think me and David have, um, pretty good chance of making it this year into the top 20. Thank I know you. he made it, uh, I think he made like 17th or something, um, in like 2018 or whatever that was, uh -huh. uh, 2019, we went to nationals together and we both kind of had, um, <laughs> we both had dummy moments, uh, and he was testing out a new dot and stuff. So we're, we're looking forward to this year. Um, we both have two guns to kind of work with and we're both training with each other uh, to kind of push each other in the right direction. And, um, you know, it's like, like I said earlier, you have to have that person who's constantly training with you, constantly shooting with you. Um, so that way you guys can bounce ideas off each other, but also push each other in the right direction. So, so yeah, uh, making the top 20 in, in nationals would be awesome. Winning area eight would be great. Um, if we could, if one of us can win area six, that'd be fantastic. Uh, I know Christian's going. Uh, I'm not sure if he's shooting open or if he's shooting some other division because my man's grabbing different guns left and right nowadays. So we'll see. Uh, I know ammo is an issue for a lot of shooters. Um, and I know it's a shoot year. So I know uh, some of the other top guys are looking into um, conserving some of their stuff and matches for uh, world shoot. So. Um, so we'll see. Uh, I'd, I'd like to be able to compete against all of them and still make top 20, right? I'd like to be able to shoot against all the top guys and know that I'm right next to them. 
Yeah, uh, the closest. Yeah. You know, it's measurable. It's, no, that's it's cool. Easy. Yeah, the closest we get to those guys is just out. showing up at the same place they showed up to. Ah! So <laughs> wearing the same clothes. Yeah. You're like, shoes. oh hey, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's happened before. I've been like, you wear boombas, I wear boombas, and then we're, I'm like, I'm gonna keep going because you don't know who I am, and I am uh, no one compared to you. Hey, it's okay. Shoe brothers, I do the same thing. Hey. I do the same thing. Yeah. I think the first time I met JJ Ricasa, I was like, hey man, you're Filipino. <laughs> Just away. Like I have no idea what to say to the guy. I'm like, you're like a legend. What do I what do I say to you? Um, then I took his <laughs> class, and then you know. I just found out he's a goofball, just like everybody else. So yeah, I uh, I had that moment when I met Max Michelle at Nationals. I'm like, Dave, yeah. should I go say hi? He's like, he's not shooting. Yeah, go ahead, see what happens. I walk up and I'm like, hey, hi, Mr. Michelle. Uh, you don't know me. I'm just a human, <laughs> and you're real cool. And uh, we have podcast. And then I walked off, and I got to Dave, and I'm like, nice. Dave, <laughs> I totally forgot to tell him the name of the podcast. <laughs> true story yeah 100 i'm like should i go back he's like nope just let's keep walking no. just go. Yeah. i'm like maybe he looked That's at hilarious. me as i was walking away and he read the back of my shirt i don't know yeah so, max <laughs> you if you're listening you. i'm really sorry that i was an idiot when we met what did you say you look you were dressed like a traffic cone anyway oh yeah well i was wearing our very bright orange shirt i'm like oh yeah i'm the i'm the fat guy that looked like a giant uh, traffic cone so <laughs> Nice. If if Max, if you remember me, hey, we'll yeah, there it see is. if we can get you on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. But so you were talking about ammo. So, and we've talked about it a little bit, kind of off and on. Wh where do you stand on ammo? Uh, I see that you kind of you you reload and you do your own stuff mm -hmm. and you shooting thirty eight yeah. super comp and nine. Um, how has the situation affected you um, for training schedule? Just for work? Like how how's that going? Yeah. Um, so in terms of training, uh, like I said, I do, I do two, 200 round sessions uh, a week. So that's four hundred rounds a week, 1600 rounds a month. Um, that's kind of what I've allotted myself. Um, I do have overage, but I'm looking about at a 25 to 30,000 round a year, probably closer to 25. I'm trying to keep it, um, on the lower side of things. So I have a little bit to work with next year. Right. Um, but somewhere around 25 to 30,000, um, which is, you know, it's doable. It's, it's light, um, but it's not necessarily quantity, right? I'm, I'm looking for frequency. So I'm trying to break it down right. to frequency. Um, so that's pretty much what I'm, how many rounds I'll shoot this year. Uh, I was fortunate enough to do a little bit of pre-planning and, uh, you know, at the time I had bought like, I don't know, like 50,000 primers at one time. Um, my sponsors had given me powder. I already had bullets, um, stuff like that, uh, cases. So I've, like I said, uh, I've been I've been pretty fortunate on my side of things. So uh, my sponsors helped out with a lot of things. But uh, right now, as it is, uh, powder is starting to get hard to find. Uh, at least certain ones, right? The ones that the only ones that really matter <laughs> are hard to find. Uh, mm -hmm. Cases are cases, right? You'll you'll find them everywhere, but they're expensive, um, especially 30 super comp, right? So um, I have cases from previous seasons. Uh, I bought brand new 38 super comp for nationals. Um, so cases are fine. Bullets. I got a bullet sponsor this year. Uh, black, uh, brass monkey bullets. Uh, I'll show you one of their bullets here, but it's pretty awesome stuff. It's a coated bullet. I'm shooting the 127 grain conical. So there's that guy. It's a coated bullet. It's, it's a 
pretty accurate. Um, I've had zero issue um, shooting out of my open gun, out of my limited gun, um, out of just about everything. So I'm really liking that bullet for right now. Um, I'm still shooting jacketed hollow points, or not jacketed hollow points, uh, jacketed bullets for all my major matches. Um, and not because I don't trust those bullets, but because I am super rigid with what I do. So, like, I already have my 38 Super Comp load. Everything's designed for it, so I just don't want to mess with it. So I'm still going to be shooting some jacketed bullets out of that for, for 38 Super Comp. Um, but, yeah, so uh, primers are, are starting to get down there. I do have a buddy who has a lead on some primers, uh, so hopefully I'll have some primers for next year. But, like I said, if I, if I don't have enough for next year, I'm going to keep my overages and make 38 Super Comp and shoot that for majors and then i'll probably just uh contact atlas and have them give me send me over a uh, limited gun shoot limited major for a while since 40 is probably going to be easier to find than nine so so yeah um at work ammo is kind of hard it's one box per person so every day i go into work i act like a regular customer and i use the range and i buy one box of ammo so I'm building up a small supply of nine millimeter so I could shoot limited minor next year. Um, and probably towards the end of the year in the off season, that's probably where I'll shoot limited minor and uh, I'll call it a day. It is, it is what it is, right? Hopefully the industry um, opens back up here shortly and the demand starts getting lower from all the uh, random people buying guns, but we'll see. We'll have to kind of see how things play out for next year. So yeah, how does that sure. conversation go with the wife? And, hey, honey, I think I'm going to buy 50,000 primers. Well, she understands what I do, right? So she, she gets it. Um, like I said, we've been, we've been pretty fortunate for the first, like, three years of my shooting. I probably personally bought maybe $200 worth of ammo. So, like, I've been really fortunate being able to build up that you know, that savings to, to kind of do all those things. Um, yeah. So we, we, we've been pretty good. She understands where, where I'm coming from and, and the stuff that I do. So, so yeah. It's a Boy, good woman. Not too bad. Yeah, I mean, that's not bad, actually. Yeah. Then. Yeah. yeah. So and, and that's kind of what I'm saying, right? So, like, we've been going years of pretty much everything I do in shootings for free um, to all of a sudden things are, are tightened down. So it's kind of... You know, she could, she understands where things are, so yeah. yeah and you're Does too she deep shoot? into this to stop now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's funny because I just uh, I recently re-signed my papers for uh, Atlas Gunworks, and she was like, "Wait, we can talk about this. You're gonna you're gonna join the team again?" <laughs> I mean, I, I, I was gonna lose the team, so uh, that was kind of assumed. So uh, that was my fault. <laughs> that was a conversation I thought uh, I had. I guess it was in my head. Yeah, um, just that was up yeah. here. Yeah, yeah, I was like, oh yeah, we're doing it. Yeah, uh, what, what were we saying? Oh no, does yeah. she shoot at all? Like, uh, no. not competitive, but does she shoot at all? No, no, she doesn't. She doesn't shoot at all, unfortunately. Yeah, okay. just me. So. Now that is my wife. It's fine. I get it. Yeah, my I, wife. Actually I think it's pretty cool. Oh, well, she's she? kind of a badass. She and she's from Long Island, so she had never shot before she met me. So, um, but she's pretty solid when she focuses. I'm impressed. 
Yeah, for sure. That's they follow cool. instruction way better than we do. Oh yeah. That's actually the God honest truth. Um, most of my female students, um, catch on way faster than male students. I think like, they're just used to taking orders, you know? Oh, ladies and gentlemen, that is a view held solely by uh, David Riddle and not by anybody else on this show. That was a joke. I'm taking a bite of that one. Man, wait She listens. She listens to this. So, baby, I love you. That was not me. Nope. Uggy, stop it. Yeah, he's throwing his voice. That's hilarious. I ain't trying to die today, man. That's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Well, what what else you got for him, Dave? I, I I think I I I blew it all right there. I'm good. Yeah. Okay. I just want to make sure you're not <laughs> going to get the man in any more trouble. <laughs> Jiminy <laughs> Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh, you got something out here about recall springs, but we kind of covered that already. Or do you have a different question about recall? No, no. Springs? That was that was when he was talking Went about back to the, bar okay. the barrels. Yeah. Okay. Okay, cool. Um, I, have, oh. I, have experience, I have experimented with a lot of different springs um, over the few last few years. So with my load, with, with how I have my gun set up, I'm a big, big fan and big proponent of variable spring, variable recoil springs. So much better than a regular conventional spring, at least in my experience. So I throw variables in all my guns just because – if you're not familiar with the variable, it slows things down um, on the back end, right? So you still have the same strength of the recoil spring coming back, but as it comes back out, going back into battery, it slows it down significantly. So if you watch like a lot of my videos, my gun like barely moves, That's, you know, one, the way I grip the gun, but two, um, that recoil spring doesn't over uh, overly push on the back end. So it keeps that muzzle nice and flat. So. Little, little like uh, the, pro tip for you guys. That sounds like the two-stage spring I have in my Canik. Where yeah, the first stage is pretty light, but then it's the back half is pretty stiff. So mm -hmm. you don't yeah. get that slam in the back. Yeah, I would I would imagine it's all kind of the same same general thing. Um, so Atlas Atlas uh, strokes their guns. So if you put like a regular government spring in there, you kind of have to like cut one or two coils unless, uh, or else you're going to have coil binding once everything's all compressed in. Um, but mm -hmm. what I discovered with a variable spring, because it gets looser towards the end, it actually is naturally shorter. So I don't have to cut the coils or anything. It's the weight is the weight and that's it. And it reacts the way I need it to. So little tip for you guys. There you go. Okay. Now, what did you initially start shooting? Obviously, you just started shooting open, you said, a few years ago. Mm -hmm. what, when you first got into competition, what division were you shooting? <laughs> oh, well, we covered this. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I started shooting. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I'm, 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 I'm trying no, to. No, uh, how, how do I tell him? Crap. <laughs> it's all good. Stop. 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 Um, but so since you're here, uh, no, I started in limited division. Uh, my very first competition gun was my friend uh, Norman Labrea's um, uh, STI Edge. Uh, okay. And I, since I told that, unfortunately. I needed the money a long time ago. But, uh, yeah, you that was sold my, your friend's uh, gun? First what was that? You sold your friend's gun? 
Yes. He sold it to me. It was my gun. Okay. And I was like, you know what? I'm selling it because I need the money. Uh, but no, so this is All those ATF officers that are listening on. to this. <laughs> this was actually the uh, edge that I that I was competing with in Limited. So I, I added the racker just because I'm you know, a big fan of racking the, uh, the, the slide that way. My, my gentle fingers didn't really like grabbing the slide. Uh, this used to have a steel grip on it, but since I, I got rid of that, so it's a little bit faster gun. But yeah, this was this is what I competed with for the first two years of my shooting career. And then I moved on to open. I got my chaos and I got two. Very nice. So this is where I'm sad that I mean, not that I don't love Huggy in general, but this is where I'm really sad because he we had a whole discussion about how he wanted to bling out his canic and like chrome it and all this stuff. And yeah. I told him, I was like, that's great, but you're not that good. So, and I bring that up because you have, you have a uh, highly, I won't say decorated, but you, you can, as a GM, you can bling your gun out and it makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, so <laughs> yeah. What are your thoughts on bling on, on a gun? Like so not the, the, would... the, the stuff you need, but like making it look pretty. I, I, I'm the most vain shooter you will ever find. So like I used to, I used to call JJ, be like, JJ, what size jersey should I get? Because I want that thing to really like show off my muscles. She's so like, oh, Kevin always buy a medium. Um, I buy large <laughs> now for the match, for that for that background. Uh, no, so I'm a big fan of of really pretty guns, right? So you guys saw my my open gun. It's got a, a gold grip on there, gold magwell. Um, my backup gun is going to be gold and chrome. Um, and it, I'm going to switch out the grip so it's all gold and chrome. So uh, I'm a big fan of it only because it's – so in my mind, like these guns, the way that they're dressed up is an expression of you, right? The way you dress up is an expression of you. Um, and I'm a very proud Filipino man, so I like to show off as much bling as I can for my people. Um, that's why I wear red shoes, right? That's why you wear red shoes. red shoes. That is why I wear red shoes. Yeah, wear red shoes well, because they bling, but also because off my question list, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's because I'm a fireman. Firemen love red. I'm a truck man now. You know, I've been a truck man for the last six years, so I should be liking green. However, green doesn't really go with gold. Nah. So, yeah. This isn't Notre Dame. Nah. <laughs> go that. Yeah. Nah. No, I'm out. He's an I'm a winner. So that's right. Thank yeah. you, but no, thank you. Yeah, I, got you. I will say uh, the one thing that I get all my guns with is polished flats. Like that is that is like a must for me and my guns because I like the gun to look flashy when I'm shooting it. Okay, <laughs> very fair. I like it. Okay. Um, so you have two kids, correct? That's correct. Yep. Okay. I have a four-year-old son, well, almost four, and uh, my daughter's four months. Okay. Again, congratulations. We're very excited for you. Um, you. Is the older one, so your four-year-old, is he interested when you start practicing? Is Does he watch? Um, is that one of those oh, yeah. things where you, you like, you're hoping that he is interested and wants to shoot? And it, obviously, even when the younger one decides that, you know, they can walk. Like, is that something yeah. that you want to try to encourage or you're just going to see what they want to do? Um, so it's something my, my wife is very much, you know, let them do what they want to do. I'm very much like, here, son, you're going to like this gun. Um, 
not because you know of anything else I, I want him it's something that we could share together but two i want him to be competent with the gun right because obviously besides sport and recreation like these things are are designed for self-defense right so mm -hmm. i want him to be able to protect the family if anything happens um but for me the only way i'll feel comfortable with him with the with the gun is if i know his gun handling skills are there and he kind of pulled a short straw there um i got i'm a gm <laughs> so the gun handling skills that i'm going to expect out of him are going to be pretty high so i'm hoping he likes it yeah a high bar is important i think for guns. but uh uh we've we've practiced together a little bit i i actually got him a little belt with a holster and i <laughs> Put, uh, he is. I, I had this little red um, MMP Glock, like one of those little plastic ones uh -huh. uh, that has no trigger, nothing on there. So he can practice pointing it and drawing from holster and stuff. Um, he's helped me with like the buzzer and stuff like that. So I try to keep him involved a little bit here and there. Um, obviously not when I'm like super intense in my practice. Right. Like yeah. my 45 hour of dry fire, he's not anywhere in the room. I usually do it at nighttime actually. Yeah. So um so yeah it's something for sure i'd love for him to be enthusiastic about to, to fall in love with just like me so you know i think it's every dad's dream for their kids to follow in their footsteps right so i would love for my son to yeah. be a competitive shooting fireman that'd be awesome yeah i mean if you say no you're probably lying you're like, yeah. oh yeah, i want my kid to do whatever he feels like don't lie yeah no you don't you do this yeah. because you know how much fun it is or you love it so yeah. why would you ask your kids to do anything else? Yeah, go do something right. lame. Yeah, no, come on, get out of here. Yeah. yeah. Um. So how often? Um. I, I only ask because I, I'm on the Instagram on the our Casual Shooter Podcast account a lot. How often are you posting things on Instagram as far as for your training? Um. And is that just to to kind of just share with people? Hey, here's some things that I've learned while I've been you know, at, at the doing dry fire or at the range? Mm -hmm. um, so I try and include some sort of nugget of, of information um, with most of my posts. Sometimes I'm, I'm in a rush. I'm just like, I need to post something because it's been a while. Um, but uh, if you look at my stories, sometimes I'll drop some nuggets about draws, uh, reloads, uh, two-step reloads, stuff like that, what things to look for or look at. Um, so I'll, I'll do a lot of things like that on my stories, typically. Uh, I've done a couple on my regular page. Um, but if that's something everybody wants, you know, I could for sure start dropping more um, informational stuff. I mean, I'm not um, saying I look at it often, but I, I do a little bit. Sure, sure. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll drop some here there. Um, it's not it's not too often because, to be completely honest, I don't know how many people actually look at it. So. I'm like, ah, is this helpful? Is this not helpful? If I know there's one, I'll do it for the one. Yeah. At least so, one. Yeah. <laughs> I got <laughs> one. Honey, yes. I made it. I, I am the one. one. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I I have one more question. So I don't know uh, what Dave's going to have after this, if anything. But so we were talking about major matches. How many are you? So you're going to Area 6 with Wampler uh, in North Carolina. How many majors are you going to shoot before nationals? um the so before everything kind of hit um my goal was to shoot like i'm usually like a 12 to 15 major kind of guy right uh just so i have a lot of matches underneath my belt uh, but with the way ammo is running um 
and just, you know, 2021, how things are going with certain matches still being restricted and whatever. Um, my major match list is actually really, really skip. It's like five or six right now. So I'll be shooting area six, area eight, um, obviously nationals. Um, I was going to try and shoot the South Carolina section, going to try and shoot the North Carolina section, uh, area five. I wanted to shoot and I got waitlisted for area seven. So are you guys familiar with the whole area seven ordeal? Yeah. Don't, don't feel bad. Nils got waitlisted too. Yeah. It's, it's wild. It's like, I don't, yeah. I don't really understand what, what train of thought there is here. You know, Kaylee, Kaylee, um, Kaylee, uh, Mason Lane's girlfriend, right? She, uh, she posted yeah. in the area six form, whatever. It's like, you know, it's a championship match. Why are you going to keep the high level shooters out of a championship match? Like I get it. You guys are trying to promote inclusion and get, you know, uh, people more people involved and i'm all about that too but if it's a area championship match it's like nationals light is really what it should be yeah, right so you should have the high level shooters there right that's that's the only thing that really makes sense um i do i do get the fact that they want most area seven people there you know because if everybody from around the country goes to area seven and competes well is it really going to be an area seven champion I don't know. It's it could be a guy from Area One. It could be Christian Seiler, freaking winning Area Seven again, right? So, I I get it. Them wanting to have mostly Area Seven people there. I'm not 100% sure how that is accomplished with a random draw. Like, right? Makes no sense. Well, then at that, if you're gonna do that, then just make all area matches only eligible. Like, if you have to be in that area to be eligible, if you're gonna do something like that. Yeah, I, I'm yeah. not. I'm not saying for those of you that have power to do that. I'm. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just. Yeah, just, it's not what I'm saying. trying to say either, right? I yeah. want, I'd like to yeah. shoot um, <laughs> the area, other area matches, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But no, yeah, I feel I'm, once I you get into the area, I feel like once you get into the area championships, anybody who has a legitimate chance of winning needs to be there. Right. Yeah. It's crazy. Nelson is going to be there, and he can't. He has no way of getting in unless somebody else drops out. I don't know what right, number that, he's at, but and that's the only match so far that he's not been able to get into. Yeah. Yeah, last year was a cluster too, so go figure this year would be the same. Uh, I mean, it is what it is. You know, the match director is going to make his mind or her mind, I don't know who the match director is. So, uh, you know, whatever they do is, you know, whatever. I'm just not going to go. No. I actually which, did which think actually of, which yeah. actually kind of sucks a little bit. Sorry, uh, no, Area Seven is like the Atlas Gunworks match, right? Like they've sponsored it for the last few years. Um, so I was looking forward to going to that this year, but yeah, nope, we can't even get it. We can't even get slots for it. So, so would the Virginia State match be then your final tune-up for nationals? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Virginia State would be on my my last. Is that before or after? I guess that's before nationals, isn't it? Yeah, it's two weeks prior. Yeah, yeah. So that would be my last tune-up right before nationals. So I'd like to be the Virginia State champion as well. So Ooh. sorry, Dave, if you're watching this, I love you, my man. Oh, he's watching. Good. Yeah, Aaron, <laughs> Aaron, Aaron Eddins, he's out doing military things. So yeah. you don't necessarily oh, hey, think I need to work on him. Oh, hey, hey, Ron. Hey, hey, Ron. Yeah. Hey, yeah, Ron. <laughs> yeah. He shot very well last year. He did. He did. I mean, that's what that's what happens when 
you know, you shoot with Chris Tilly all the time and you shoot high level matches every weekend, you know, you shoot with the best, you're going to, you you're going to produce the best, better. right? Yeah. Like so. through osmosis. Yeah. No, well, yeah. I kept it in a lot of hard work, man. And it's yeah. funny because like when I first, when I first window at it, it's like still both shooting limited. We joined, we had joined USBSA at relatively the same time. And I was like, oh, he just made A. Oh, I just made A. He made Master. Oh, I just made Master. Cool. Oh, he's going to open? I'm going to buy an open gun. So, you know, we, we kind of followed each other's careers so far. And then I found out he made GM. I was like, oh, damn it. <laughs> and then I made GM. I was like, okay, well, never mind. <laughs> we're fine. Yeah, we're fine. We're back there. No worries. <laughs> no big deal. So so real quick, I got to ask you. I was, yeah. the, uh, I was the medic at the state match last year. Mm -hmm. um, what... I'm sure you're aware of all of the disqualifications that occurred. Mm -hmm. What are yeah. your thoughts on all of that? So, um, did, I and was, I guess what I'm getting at is, did you see any stage that was a trap? Uh, none of the stages were necessarily a trap. I don't think any That's of the stages exactly were how a I trap. Felt. Um, there are, there's a lot of stages out there um, that. I, you're not a trap if you are following the right rules, but that's the hard part, right? People want to try and find ways to skirt around this or that. And there's bad techniques that people do that haven't gotten caught with yet, right? Like, so if you're coming around the wall, bringing your gun around, like some people can't see that your gun's not pointed, you know, beyond the 180 if you're coming around the wall. So I feel like a lot of people's technique hasn't gotten called out prior to that. Um, I was on that stage, mind you. I was one of the uh, the ROs on that stage, so I have to unfortunately see uh, <laughs> all that debauchery happening. Um, some of the calls I didn't. I will tell you I didn't see, and I told them I didn't 100% see. But the ones that I did call, I called because I saw them for sure. Um, a lot of guys were breaking that 180. Um, a lot of people were shooting the wall on that stage right next to it and stuff, right? So. We couldn't count steel, stuff like that. So, yeah, all those people that got DQ'd, I could I could vouch personally for at least 99% of them, maybe 98% of them, because there's maybe only like one or two that I didn't see at all. So Yeah, it was really odd because um, I drove around with David Ankeny, um, and I forget the range master's name at the moment. Jim, but, Jim McBurnett. Yeah, there you go. Um, yeah. So I hung around with those two. So I got to see a lot of all that stuff. And it was just wild how there was no one particular thing. All the different, you know, people flagging themselves. And I think there was like seven. I want to say there were seven different times that there were negligent discharges with rounds going over the berm. Yeah. I mean, there was just so many odd things going on. You just like the a few stages down from you where you had that unloaded start at the table and you had your mm -hmm. gun on the table. Um, somebody put their gun on there and then walked around the front of the table after <laughs> putting their gun on the table. I mean, there were just so many odd things and I only bring, yeah. I only bring this up because I know it's been talked about in other places. Um, so whenever I have anybody on who shot it, you know, I always ask yeah. because I pretty much know what the answer is. So, right. Yeah, it's always nice though to get it out there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That that is odd though that the guy 
walk in front of a gun because if it's your make ready, you only have one step, right? You take your gun yeah. out, you got one step, babe. That's it. That's all you got. So why was he even allowed to walk all the way around? They should have been stopping him way before then, right? So and and that's kind of so I've talked to a couple dudes about this, like. That's I feel is one of the things that's hurting our sport is we have a certain rule set, right? But like what we follow is it ebbs and flows depending on the match and the staff that you're with. It ebbs and flows between stages. You know, is this RO going to call me from for taking three steps or is this guy going to stop me after one, right? Is this guy going to actually give me five minutes or is he going to give me 20 minutes? You know, I just feel like certain rules aren't necessarily followed the way they should be. Um, so I've talked to a couple guys about this. Like, USPSA needs to be run like IPSC, where everything's very strict, everything's very um, scheduled, regimented, um, and there's there's like zero BS. They also the staff also pastes, so that's kind of nice. Um, right. That would be helpful in USPSA. However, comma you gotta find the staffing for that, right? So. Right. Anyway, I'm sure. Well, so to speak to that, um, another two-parter. So as an RO, what are your thoughts? Because uh, Dave and I have talked about this uh, in particular. Uh, when So I, well, the first time I ever shot nationals, I had a guy. It was the, if you're finished, unload and show clear. And if clear, hammer down holster. Well, he left his magazine in the gun. So he clears. And then goes to hammer down and holster, and he has a negligent discharge. Thankfully, it was pointed down range, so no mm -hmm. one got hurt. But he gets DQ'd. How much of how much at fault is the RO for not actually looking, looking. while he's unloading, or well, unloading? Um, yeah. So, what are your thoughts on that? I think that's a that's bad ROing as well. Like that's the whole point, right? Unload, show clear. They're separate commands, right? Mm -hmm. But most people. Well, unload, show clear, hammer down, holster, like almost automatic, right? right? Side four, hammer down, holster. It's, it just it just comes out of your mouth. So yeah, so that's quickly. just how the cadence. Like this is just yeah. naturally how the cadence happens. I have never heard yeah. it as two separate commands. It's always yeah. unload and show clear. If clear, hammer down, holster. Like that. That is, if not yeah. faster, that's the rate at which I hear that command. Right, right. and that's why, like, when I'm RO, like locals and stuff, like say it separately. I will 100% say it separately, and I'll actually take a look. I'm like, side four, you know, yeah, I'm not so clear. Side four, hammer down. Sometimes they don't, they don't wait, and they just slide forward and they hammer down anyway. I'm like, right, okay. If you shoot one, that's your fault, babe. I gave you the command. Absolutely. I was trying to look. Yep. Um, right. But but yeah, you have you at least have to give like a pause in between or something so that they know they're separate commands. Yeah. And it, and it tends to slow down that shooter too. You know, yeah. when, when your cadence is fast and they're rushing through that, whereas yeah. if you're like unload, show clear, now they're slowing their process down. So, yeah, I mean, I will say you'll have some shooters and I'll be honest, I'll be I'm guilty of this, too. Just like when I'm like in the zone of, of certain things and I want to know what my points are, like I'll just automatically do it. Just unload, show clear and whether they see it or not, hammer down, holster or whatever. Right. Um, so I've, I've been there, too. Like, I get it. Everybody wants to be done and see what they're what their points are, how everything went, this and that. But, you know, I don't know. That's that's kind of – I don't know how you miss unloading a magazine from a gun. 
Oh yeah. It's just like, that order, you like, know. It was very obvious yeah. that he did not take the magazine out and you're like, "Well, thank you for your $300. Have fun driving home." So when yeah. when he fired that shot, he still had the mag in his gun? Yep. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Cuz I, I mean, I've so seen how he do that. Yeah. I mean, I've seen him do the uh, you know, everything backwards where you normally unload, then clear the chamber. I've seen them where they clear the chamber and then drop the mag, but not realizing they loaded another round in the chamber. Right. You know, I've, I've seen people do that. I've never seen anybody just leave the magazine in the gun. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> you yeah, that... Unload. Boom. <laughs> yeah. You didn't, you didn't... And that's the thing. Like, that's literally. <laughs> I, was, I was standing around and we had just finished, pay or we were getting ready to go pay. So I had turned to go grab the role of pacers and i turn around and I, I see him his slide go forward and i'm like okay and all of a sudden you just hear bang and i'm like well there goes that guy's day <laughs> yep it was on Good the enough. first day it was like our third oh. or fourth stage oh i would cry so it's not like you can say oh like he was tired the ro's retired it was day one and he just shot a sponsor's sign and i'm like i guess he really didn't like you know, yeah. Serpa holsters or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, F you guys, you suck. So, yeah. That's hilarious. But yeah, I, I felt bad. It was an older gentleman. And I'm not saying that that's the reason, but he definitely had a drive. I think he came, it was in Florida and he had driven from, like, he had driven from Texas. And it was like, well, see ya. It was really nice shooting with you, sir, whose name I will never remember. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, that's uh, but anyway, that's like the worst feeling in the world, man. <laughs> Spending all that money, driving all that time, all that preparation, and then DQ go home. <laughs> yeah, that's now. Worst. Did you shoot Virginia State the year before in 2019? Uh, yes, that was the first one, correct? Oh, uh, it might, yeah, it might have been. It was the first yeah. one I think David Ankeny ran anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. if you remember this last year where they did the um. Uh, why can't I think of it? Um, when they checked your velocity and all of that. Yeah, yeah, the uh, chrono stage. Thank you. The chrono stage yeah. last year, where the chrono stage was, the year before that, they had an unloaded start, and they had two people flag themselves the exact same way then. Gun on the table, walk around the corner. So I think it, it happens more oh. often than we realize that people yeah. put their guns down, and they're like, oh, let me walk around the front of the table. Craziness. I just don't understand why you would ever do that. I, I don't either. But like what business it, do you have in front of the table in general? That's that's I, even I, worse I, in my mind. <laughs> that's even yeah, worse. I don't you have no reason remember. to go in front of the chrono. Yeah. So it was Yeah, it was interesting. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. It's a weird place to get disqualified at the chrono table. That's like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's, well, you, chrono, you're a special guy. It, 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 it wasn't yeah. it wasn't the chrono stage that year. That's just where uh, okay. if you go to 2020, yeah. if you would, it was the next to last stage. If you actually started at stage one and went all the way around, it would be the next to last stage. Um, the year so 2020 it was chrono. The year before, I guess it was stage 11, and it was actually. There was a popper and some other stuff and some gotcha. targets. You had to okay. shoot through a port, and there was an unloaded start with a table. And that year, 
There were two people I'm pretty sure that were disqualified for. Gotcha. They okay. put their guns on, and for whatever reason, they walked around the front of the table. Oh, look, so. a rock. <laughs> That's pretty. It's a four-leaf clover. <laughs> I mean, you know, I don't, I don't know if you could chalk it up to unfamiliarity or just not going to enough matches to know or have a rhythm of things, but anytime my gun comes out of my holster, I don't move. You know, you're making ready. You got one step. That's pretty much all you got. You need to move, reholster. Like, I don't know. That's just something I've drilled in myself. I mean, I've taught a lot of classes inside the range, outside of the booths, right? Um, we used to teach like an intermediate pistol course and stuff like that. So I'm used to having a whole bunch of people with guns out of their holsters and stuff like that. So I don't know. Maybe some sort of education needs to come to, to USPSA for, for people not to do that. I don't know weird yeah odd well you got anything else for him dave that's all i got okay you got anything for us there kevin anything you fascinating you want to know about our deep dark secrets before we give you the (laughs) red carpet and let you talk about sponsors and all that yeah yeah what are uh what are you in are you in a closet is that like your special closet first of all (laughs) yes yes you gotta remember hispanics all my stuff is in one room (laughs) um this is my budget version of a gun room uh and i just have a lot of crap in in here and and very little time to organize so i'm I'm in in a closet i cleaned my bench like five minutes ago so (laughs) i'm with you (laughs) my son's like what are you doing dad i'm I'm cleaning up cleaning up (laughs) people are coming over we're gonna see Yeah. yeah Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't have any shame. This is this is the same thing. Every every episode <laughs> sees this. So hey man, cool. I didn't want to throw people off. They'd be like, oh, he got a new closet. Oh. No, same oh. one. No, that's the same one. Did yeah, you guys go to Shadowhawk yesterday? Uh, uh, we did not go, no. but uh, yeah, I, Randy and Lynn are – shout out to Randy yeah. and Lynn. Those are my homies. That's right. Yeah, that was a good yeah. match yesterday. Yeah, Guess no, how much uh, Dave be by. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Check it out. Uh, yeah, no, look at it. It's like two points. Two oh, match points. Wow. Two match points. How do you how do you get beat by two match points? You couldn't have just like thrown a, a pebble that he could trip on or something. I mean, we were we were kind of toying around with each other all day, so I mean, I know that you feeling. Saved, you could have saved some time, a little bit here and there, but yeah. I, I, at one point in the middle of the match. I looked at the nook and I, I looked up, um, you know how you could uh, tabulate the scores? Uh-huh. Like he was above me by 10 points. I was like, Dave, you got me by 10 points. I was like, watch. So I beat him the next stage, then I beat him the next stage, and then the last stage I beat him, and then we looked at the tablet. Oh, I'm still beating you by two points. Terrible. Sometimes it's just not your day, you know? Yeah, yeah. That happened to me in Nationals. I ended up buying Huggy flipping appetizers for three days in a row. <laughs> it's terrible. That, co- that trip cost me a lot of money. <laughs> hey, wow. Man, you're right? kidding. Actually, no. You did not lose by two points. Um, You lost by like 1.8. Thanks for making so, me feel so much better. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. 1.8. Thanks. Yep. 1.83 as a matter of fact. Yeah. Nice. I guess it hurts less because you, uh, you know. 
you know what? Like, I told I, – I, I saw Dave Ankeny, right? I was like, hey, Dave, you're shooting PCC. I need you to get 100% on this stage and that stage so that way it bumps Dave's scores just a little bit so <laughs> I can bump go. ahead of him. He goes, Kevin, I can't do that. I can't do that on a normal basis. He's winning PCC right now. So he beat yeah, all he those masters, all those guys. I'm like, Dave, what do you mean yeah, you can't do it? He's yeah. fifth right now. Yeah, overall. So. Yep. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty good. You should it's just tell him that all good. the time, and that'll make him be better. And I, then, I think know. so. I did. I did give him a little tip about his movement, and I like to attribute his uh, win on my uh, teaching. Just saying. That five minutes I had with them. <laughs> yeah, that's what I said about Max Michelle winning nationals last year is because right oh, before yeah. he had a bad day, and right before he <laughs> had his turnaround, I gave him a little fist bump. So, yeah. That was it. That's what he Same needed. Thing. That was it. That's what he needed. That's Same what thing. He, needed. he just needed the energy of a Get complete over the total stranger yeah. to, you know. What, what area did he Traffic win? cone. Did he win? <laughs> Traffic cone. Did he win area <laughs> three or area seven? I forgot. Oh, I don't remember. Yeah, I have no idea. He, yeah, I think that guy is a robot. How do you beat everybody with a carry optics gun? We've said the same thing. Yeah, yeah, God. exactly. Spe speaking and of robots, have you guys have you guys looked up um, Eric Raffel's videos? Yep, that, that dude guy, is ridiculous. That guy is literally a cyborg. I don't care yep. if he bleeds blood; it is fake. He's a cyborg. That guy. Yep, it's all fake news. Yep, he's T one thousand. He's yep. part of yeah. Skynet. He's going to take over. Yep. That's what and I they have. I really love their stages in Europe, man. The, the different swingers and everything going on. And it doesn't slow him down. At all. No. no. Yeah. No. I watched it. I was watching a video yesterday and some crazy swingers and poppers and things going everywhere. And they walk down there and he's got, you know, two right here, side yep. by side, two more on this one, side by side. I'm like, uh, and you watch the recoil and literally his gun is going. Yeah. There's, there's no vertical movement. It's all lateral, yeah. just forwards and backwards. Boom, 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 boom. I'm like, uh, well, forget it. Yeah. That guy I, is he, freaking incredible. Yeah. I mean, he and shoots, I guess, I guess Vogel was the last guy to beat him. Yeah. Long that time says ago. something about Vogel too. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Bob Vogel's a he's a monster. Isn't he local ish? Is it Bob Vogel in like Southern Virginia or something? I can't. I don't know. Mm -hmm. For some reason, I was thought he was. Texas. But... I thought he was because like there's a bunch of dudes who've taken his class and stuff, and I or, or taking privates and stuff with them in the area. I'm like, is he freaking local? I don't even know. Hmm. But I know that I've seen him. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, you guys might want to look that up. If he is, I'd be disappointed that he never shoots. <laughs> you never see him. <laughs> yeah. uh, from Ohio? Oh, well, that's almost Saint, Virginia. St. Mary's, Ohio. Eh, local enough. Yeah. We'll claim him. Enough. He's ours now. Yeah. He's ours now. Whatever. Yeah. But yeah. I like how it says on uh, <laughs> on the internet, Robert Vogel, marksman. <laughs> I won't That's what lie. the internet calls him. Marksman. Understatement. Marksman. <laughs> Shout out to Robert Vogel. That's right. Marksman. So, yeah. Not a sponsor. Not a sponsor. Well, <laughs> Kevin, uh, <laughs> at this point, all we got for you is uh, if you want to throw it out there, talk about your sponsors, um, 
charities you endorse, uh, whatever you want to talk about before we uh, let you go and get back to your day and hang out with your family. Cool, man. Well, I appreciate it. Uh, like I said, I work at Elite Shooting Sports, the best indoor range out there. So for sure, if you guys are in the area, stop by. Uh, we're located in Manassas, Virginia. Uh, if you guys ever need some training, just shoot us up. Uh, shoot us an email, uh, training at EliteShootingSports.com. Uh, ask for me, Kevin, and uh, obviously we'll get you all squared away. Uh, if you guys are looking for an awesome pistola for competition shooting or whatever, uh, definitely stop by uh, AtlasGunWorks.com. Uh, if you need the link, you go to my IG page, Kevin underscore Garaspi underscore shooting. Um, just go ahead and look on my on my profile. The link's right there. Just hit that link. It'll take you to the page. and you can Take a look at the awesome pistols we have up there. Uh, it's designed with the perfect zero, zero, so that way whatever cartridge you're shooting out of the gun, it is designed to naturally bring that gun as flat as possible uh, so you have a quicker uh, follow-up shot. Um, if you're looking to reload and stuff, obviously uh, Immortal Bot can, can help take care of you. Uh, I think he stocks a bunch of Dylan presses still. Uh, Ammo Bot's not being made anymore, but there might be some floating out there. If you have one, uh, definitely I highly suggest getting some of the sensors that, that Mark at Immortal Bot makes. They're awesome. If you need a shooting jersey, Techwear is the best in the business, for damn sure. Uh, Go Fast, Don't Suck is not bad either. Uh, Bill's a good friend, so i got to give him a shout-out as well. Um, otherwise, uh, Shooter's World Powder is definitely one of the best out there. Look them up. I happen to shoot Auto Pistol, for those who are curious. Um, and like I mentioned earlier, Brass Monkey Bullets, can't beat them. Awesome product, really good prices, uh, especially for bulk pricing. Um, and with the ammo prices that we're in now you can save a buck here and there it's always going to be good so that's pretty much it red stitch targets best still targets in the business i feel like uh i'm in nascar right now just throwing out all these business names but uh get after it man darren it's is okay. awesome uh awesome awesome dude um not even just uh his targets are the best but darren is a really good person in general he also takes pictures um at most of our matches as well um, he's always that shadow hawk so if you ever see him, um, say hello. Uh, really, he is a very you. good dude, Dev, for sure. Yeah, yeah, his still targets are the best. That's what we use at Shadowhawk. Yep. Um, and I feel like I'm missing somebody. His beard's pretty amazing too. Yes, he wants me to grow my mohawk back, and I keep telling him. My wife says no, so I can't. I can't do it. You have so. to live with her, so that's yes, smart. Yes, exactly. I yeah. mean, if Darren wants to house me maybe we can make a mohawk work. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> Probably not. Good call. Good call. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. So, all right, fellas. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks for letting me join well, you guys on your show. Yeah, thanks for thanks coming, for coming out off. and talking to us for the time we had you. So really appreciate thanks. it, man. And uh, we, we'll probably reach out again after uh, either Area 6 or Area 8 and kind of see where you're at. Yeah, man, for sure. Definitely. I look awesome. forward to that. Awesome. Well, take it easy, Kevin. Right, Thanks guys. a lot, man. Yeah, be safe. All right, you guys have a good day. We'll see you. Peace. Peace. Until next time. Don't be a little bitch. Yeah. Mm -hmm.